and many people will disagree with me, but I truly believe that this right here is God saying to the men at this time period and beyond that having two wives is not good. I believe that because what are they called nowadays? They're literally called sister wives. And so God is saying here, don't take a wife in addition to her sister to be a rival. And people could say like, oh, well, that's talking about a family relationship. And yeah, I mean, that happened. We know of a person that happened with in the Old Testament, Jacob. You know, he had uh, his one wife who was his first wife. And then he also took, in addition to his first wife, her sister. And there was so much rivalry in that household because of that. But what wife would not have rivalry over another wife in a marriage relationship. Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries Podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Leviticus. Hello and good morning, faithful listeners. I'm so excited that you're joining me today and that you are sharing a cup of coffee with me as we discuss scripture. But today is going to be a scripture that is kind of uncomfortable. I'm going to be honest with you, because we're going to be talking about the uh, sexual sins in Leviticus chapter 18. And we'll talk about the first portion of this and Friday, we're going to finish this up. But you know, this is uncomfortable and I'm not going to lie. It's not something I enjoy talking about. (laughs) And, you know, if there's a kid nearby you, maybe save this podcast episode for another time when you can uh, listen to it on your own without children nearby, because it is, like I said, going to go into some kind of uncomfortable things when it comes to sexual sins. So let's see what scripture has to say about this. We're going to be reading Leviticus chapter 18, verses 1 through 18. I have my coffee cup right here. And it says, uh, podcasting is my jam. (laughs) I think it's really cute. All right, let's go ahead and read this. Once again, I'll be reading out the W.E.B. version this morning. Yahweh said to Moses, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am Yahweh your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived. You shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. You shall not follow their statutes. You shall do my ordinances. You shall keep my statutes and walk in them. I am Yahweh your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my ordinances, which if a man does, he will live in them. I am Yahweh. None of you shall approach any close relatives to uncover their nakedness. I am Yahweh. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, nor the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father or the daughter of your mother, whether born at home or born abroad. 
You shall not uncover the nakedness of your son's daughter or of your daughter's daughter, even their nakedness, for theirs is your own nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife's daughter conceived by your father since she is your sister. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. She is your father's near kinswoman. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is your mother's near kinswoman. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. You shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife, and you shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter. You shall not take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. They are near kinswomen. It is wickedness. You shall not take a wife in addition to her sister to be a rival to uncover her nakedness while her sister is still alive. So you may have noticed something in this chapter, and that was the fact that I said to uncover the nakedness about 18 times, because I believe that uncover the nakedness is said about 18 times throughout this chapter. So, yeah, I mean, let's think about that term for a second, to uncover the nakedness before we move forward into this uh, this chapter. To uncover the nakedness was basically a polite way to say sexual activity back in these days. And this could include anything. It could be like any kind of sexual activity whatsoever. And so this was a very broad term that just meant any form whatsoever of sexual activity, whether it was even molesting, whether it was like inappropriate touching, and then it could even get into like oral sex and into like very typical sex or anything else. So this was a broad term that just meant sexual activity. And God was saying it so many times because literally right here in this chapter, he's talking completely about sexual activity. And the one thing people will say is that, oh, well, you know, the law is over and done with, so we don't even have to like worry about all this stuff anymore. It's not a big deal. Well, here's the thing about that. <laughs> Much of this stuff is restated in the New Testament, first and foremost, where Paul literally told the Corinthians many, many times, because Corinth at the time of Paul was extremely uh, sexually depraved. And he would tell the Corinthian people to abstain from immoral sexual activity. And what Paul was talking about was Leviticus 18 and other passages like Leviticus 18 when he was talking to the Corinthian people. So that's the first reason why this still applies to this day. The second reason is right here. Verses 1 through 4 I'm sorry, one through five, it says, Yahweh says to Moses, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am Yahweh, your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt, where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. You shall not follow their statutes. You shall do my ordinances and you shall keep my statutes and walk in them because I am Yahweh, your God. So if we claim Yahweh as our God, which we do as, as Christians, then these are things that God is telling his people to do. And I still believe that this applies to this day because God, the father, 
is telling his people that if they do these things, all of his people, I believe, if they do these things and they don't act like the world acts in this particular sense, then they will live. That's what it says here in verse five. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my ordinances, which if a man does, he shall live in them. I am Yahweh. So to me, that sounds very much like this is a perpetual, perpetually lasting ordinance is what God is telling his people here. And we can definitely see that it is based upon what Paul says in the New Testament about sexual sins. And so, yes, I do believe that the law has been fulfilled, but it's still not gone. Like the law is not going to really pass away until Jesus comes again, I believe. But even though we don't have to follow the rules of the law because Jesus basically already did them, like we don't have to do animal sacrifice because it's needlessly killing animals because there's no point to it anymore because Jesus already did it. And much of this other stuff like leprosy, we don't have to do that anymore. I mean, we have modern medicine that can help us through that stuff, whereas the people back in those days didn't have modern medicine. They didn't have a lot of the stuff. So much of what we're seeing up until this point is talking about people of that time period that wouldn't have had, you know, understanding of what to eat, what not to eat, what was good for them, what was not good for them. And they wouldn't have had an understanding also of what was clean and healthy and good for them versus what was unhealthy and bad for them. But now... This is something very different where it's talking about the heart. This is where God is going into issues of the heart, basically. And one of these being lust and sexual sins, which is what many people back in those days would have struggled with, especially since they were from Egypt. And God says right here that, you know, Egyptians basically didn't have a law against any of this stuff and they just did whatever they wanted. And same with the land of Canaan. But God is giving his people own their own specific rules because they are not supposed to be living in the world. And that's something that Peter says about all Christians nowadays. Peter says, be in the world, but do not be a part of the world. So you can live in the world, you can do stuff, you can enjoy modern conveniences and do whatever you you know want as long as it's not a morality issue, as long as it's not being part of the world. And what Peter means by that is the morality stuff, the sins. God is basically telling his people here in verses one through five, the exact same thing. Be in the world, but don't do as the world does. Be different, be holy. So that's why I believe this stuff still applies to today. And we kind of know it does because, <laughs> I mean, everything I read today was talking about incest. And some of the stuff as I'm reading it, I'm just like, ugh. Because like right here, for example, it says that you shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law because she is your son's wife. And I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway, verse verses 6 through 18 talks, basically, this is kind of all about incest for the most part. I mean, verse six just basically gives you a summary of about what you're about to read. It says, none of you shall approach any close relatives to uncover their nakedness. I am Yahweh. And what's interesting about this is um, that term uncover the nakedness. Sometimes it is not the woman 
like the the specific person you are having sex with, sometimes it's a relative. Like here in verse eight, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. Yeah, I mean, this would be like somebody having trying to have sex with their stepmother. So like somebody that is not their mother, but uh, is married to their father. But it says here that it's actually not your stepmother's nakedness. It's your father's nakedness. And that's implying, <laughs> without getting too graphic, that is implying that you're actually like doing a sexual activity with your father, in a sense. Because a man and a woman, as we know in scripture, are considered to be one flesh. They are considered to be uh, together as one. And so, yeah, I mean, you're doing something unhealthy and it's just, it's incestuous is really what it is. Even though she is not your, your real mother, it's still an incestuous act because by marriage, uh, that bond has been formed between the stepmother and the father. And yeah, so I don't need to go into that too much. But here it says, um, you know, it just talks about all these different people. It talks about the sisters, you know, I mean, don't uncover the nakedness of your sisters. And even though this is written specifically for men back in these days, I don't think that it's wrong for me to also add in there that a woman, a girl should not be pursuing her brother. And I, I, yeah, I don't think it's wrong for me to take liberty with that. Just because I'm a woman, I don't think it means that I am freed from this. And if I do that, that means that I'm not sinning or something. I, I truly don't believe that. I think this is for all people. And even though God specifically talks to the men back in this time period, because culturally that was what was done, that doesn't mean that women are just completely in the clear. <laughs> they can do whatever they want. <laughs> I think it goes in the opposite sense as well. But yeah, I mean, talks about a bunch of different people here. Uh, nakedness of your son's daughter or of your daughter's daughter. That's your own nakedness in verse 10. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, uncomfortable passage to talk about, but really kind of self-explanatory of, of God just saying like, this is not the correct way to live. This is not the right way to do stuff because this is unhealthy. And I mean, even thinking about it with modern eyes where incestuous relationships are actually really unhealthy because the babies can be born with birth defects. And God was probably trying to curb some of that as well as just letting his people live the right way to live. Because like it says in verse five here in Leviticus, it says, uh, if, if the man listens to this, he will live. You know, if, if a man chooses to listen to my ordinances, he will live. I don't even think that's talking physically, but just living in God. And I mean, I can speak on that a little bit. Whereas before I really knew God, I really was in the dark. I don't think I was living. And I'm not a big fan of the, the term living my best life. <laughs> but Truly, I, back in those days when I was in the dark, before I really knew God, I was not living my best life. And now that I know God, I am living in God. And I do believe that I am much happier. I do believe that I am, I have more of a light about me. Does that make sense? Like I have more joy because I start, like I, I started actually trying to live in Christ. And so, yeah, I mean, God is saying like, people aren't going to live in the dark anymore. 
they're going to have joy and freedom and everything else. And even Paul himself says that the law, when you follow it, it's like freedom giving. Even though it seems so like finicky and outdated and everything, Paul was saying to the people of his time period that the law actually sets us free. And I found that super interesting. And it kind of is true that God really does set us free. And even more so with Jesus, when Jesus came and fulfilled the Old Testament law so that we don't have to, we don't have to live by it anymore. We live with complete freedom in Jesus. And it is just so life-giving. But that's what God here is saying to the people at this time period. And even today, now to us, that if we follow God's ordinances, we will be set free. We will be living in freedom. And I, I find that so cool. But the one thing I want to really touch on before we end this podcast episode is actually verse 18. It says, you shall not take a wife in addition to her sister to be a rival to uncover her nakedness while her sister is still alive. This here, and many people will disagree with me, but I truly believe that this right here is God saying to the men at this time period and beyond that having two wives is not good. I believe that because what are they called nowadays? They're literally called sister wives. And so God is saying here, don't take a wife in addition to her sister to be a rival. And people could say like, oh, well, that's talking about a family relationship like um, my own sister and me if, if a husband took us both as wives. And yeah, I mean, that happened. We know of a person that happened with in the Old Testament, Jacob. You know, he had uh, his one wife who was his first wife. And then he also took, in addition to his first wife, her sister. And there was so much rivalry in that household because of that. But what wife would not have rivalry over another wife in a marriage relationship? To me, I really do think that this is God saying that having more than one wife is actually a sin. And once again, I'm going back to, to Paul. We know nowadays that having more than one wife is actually wrong, according to scripture. Every single time that two wives are mentioned in scripture or a husband that has more than one wife, there's always some sort of drama. There's always something terrible that happens. And we know that. But then Paul specifically says, and Peter as well, that we are supposed to be enjoying that marriage relationship between a husband and a wife and only a husband and a wife and that your wife is the only person you are ever supposed to be with ever unless of course uh that wife dies but that's a different story when that wife or that husband is alive paul and peter make it very clear that that is a bond that should never be broken by bringing in another wife or another husband into that relationship because it is unhealthy. Not to mention, nowadays, we are actually called sisters in Christ, <laughs> brothers and sisters in Christ. That is also clear in the New Testament. So even that right there, if I am a sister in Christ, my husband shouldn't be bringing in to the relationship another sister in Christ, which unfortunately does happen. And I've even heard Christians like I, I've read stuff about this, 
I have seen and heard Christians say that God is actually okay with a polygamous relationship because he never says anything against it in the Old Testament. But I disagree. I disagree so wholeheartedly because it's so clear in scripture. I mean, God says so many things about one man and one woman. That was like God's original plan. So why all of a sudden would God be okay with a polygamous relationship if he created a monogamous relationship in the Garden of Eden? I, I just don't see that. I think that it's dangerous to go down that path and say that God's okay with polygamy. Because once again, that is destroying the foundation of what God originally created, which was one man and one woman. And I mean, we, we, I could talk about this forever. I really could. Because like, let's even look at Abraham, which who a person we already talked about. He went and did a polygamous relationship. Okay. And this was before the law. And God hadn't even laid out the rules for that yet. Abraham did a polygamous relationship and God stuck up for Sarah, Abraham's original wife. He stuck up for her and said, Abraham, you shouldn't have done that. And he even told Abraham to listen to Sarah and kick out Hagar and Hagar's son, because that was not supposed to be part of the family unit. And Abraham had just almost in a sense destroyed that family relationship that he had had with Sarah because of that. And so God stuck up for Sarah and said, Abraham, do what Sarah says in this situation. We can definitely look at stuff and be like, oh, God didn't directly condemn polygamy. But yeah, he kind of did. <laughs> I, I mean, even later on, we're going to talk about how a king, God says a king was not supposed to have many wives. They were not supposed to accumulate wives. And a king was supposed to be the leader of the people to show the people how to live, that a king is supposed to have just one wife next to him. And that is the way that God wanted stuff to be done, really, was with that original plan that he had from the very beginning. And the bond between a husband and a wife is just something that should be sacred in all cases. So, yes, to me, this could be God saying, like, look, you're not supposed to have two wives that are sisters in any sense. But to me, this just sounds like God is saying that it's wrong to have, um, you know, uh, two wives. And even in the book of Ecclesiastes, which is hilarious, <laughs> because Solomon was like notorious for having like a billion wives or something like that. But Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes and even a handful of times in the book of Proverbs said to enjoy the wife of your youth, the wife, not the wives, but the wife of your youth. So Solomon states it, but he didn't follow his own advice, obviously. But even Solomon, who was the wisest known man pretty much ever, was saying that it's healthy to have one man and one woman in a marriage relationship. And he probably knew because he had like a thousand wives or something like that. <laughs> God never once in scripture says to, um, says to have more than one wife, though I know that God is extremely merciful. And in this time period, because it was so culturally accepted to have more than one wife, I think God allowed it. And I don't exactly know why, but I know God did allow it. But I don't think God liked it. And I don't think that God ever commanded it, even with the Nazarene law, which we'll get more into later. But I don't think God ever commanded 
a man to marry more than one wife, but was always very uh, almost against it and saying, don't do that. Marry just one woman and women marry just one man. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And you know, today we talked about the different sexual sins. We talked about incest and what was uh, wrong with incest. And we also talked about, does God allow a man to have more than one wife? But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was kind of interesting, but here's a quick word from our sponsor. Do you need help spending time in God's word? The Alive Coloring Devotional is a great tool for you to gain motivation and build a healthy habit of walking with God. Get connected to all the stories you've heard before with intricate coloring pages and eight devotions discussing the days before Jesus' resurrection. Walk through this adult coloring devotional as you learn more about Christ's walk to the cross. The Alive Coloring Devotional. Come alive in Christ. Wasn't that a nice commercial, guys? My uh, friend, who is part of my college and career group, recorded that for me on his own stuff because he also is uh, hes an audio guy. He enjoys doing audio. And so I told him, I'm like, do a commercial for me. I'd love to have it and be able to play it on some of these um, episodes. So he did a great job. What do you guys think? I think he did so, so good. Yeah, I said that this was a quick word from our sponsor, but the sponsor was actually me, so... <laughs> But yeah, those Alive Coloring devotionals are available on Amazon. So get them because Easter is around the corner and that's what they're about. They're all about Easter and you can color some great pictures and do a devotional and they're very pretty. You can uh, frame one if you want to once you're done coloring it. And yeah, so definitely consider checking out the Alive Coloring devotionals. There's a link in the bio. Friends and faithful listeners, happy listening and God bless. God bless.